Lodgecasters, welcome to the Lodgecast, the official podcast show of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. I'm your host, Mr. M. This is being recorded at the Lodge in Whittier, California. We're on the 13th floor of Whittier's tallest building. We are in the penthouse suite. We can overlook all of Whittier. What a beautiful city it is on today. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. It's a little crisp, but we could see Catalina Island from here. The marble floors are polished. No ice sculptures today. But folks, let me tell you, we have a great show lined up. Today, we're doing episode 26. We have two DJs. We got DJ Chewy and DJ Opie. They're going to be here. You're going to want to stay tuned. That interview will be coming up a little bit later. Make sure you check us out on our website, gentlemensavenue.com forward slash the Lodgecast. On social media, you can find us on Instagram at Lodgecast, on Twitter at the Lodgecast. All these can be found on iTunes, Google Play. Remember, we have a podcast, which is the audio only portion, and we also have a vodcast, which is the video. So if you want to check out, tune in, you're like, you know what? America's Got Talent ain't cracking today, or, you know, I don't want to watch The Voice. I want to see quality content. You can tune in to watch this show. So that's that. Let me give you the latest and the greatest with gentlemensavenue.com. So, folks, it's been two months, two long damn months since I've done a podcast, done absolutely nothing besides go crazy and live in this insanity. How do I know it's been a long two damn months? Is we just did about 10 minutes of the show and nothing was recording. <laughs> yeah. It was a good one too. I was like, wow, we're on a roll. But anyways, uh, yeah. So anyways, it's been two months, two months, a little bit over two months since I did the last show. But anyways, I'm back and hopefully, man, I get myself back in order here, man, that mentally, physically, spiritually, man, I get back into the groove of having purpose and not dealing with this bullshit in my back injury, but that, uh, you know, things that, you know, whatever it is you find, find something in your life, man, whether it's like these gentlemen that I have here today, whether it's collecting records, spinning records, going, whatever, find something to do, keep your mind productive, give yourself something that gives you meaning. So anyways, folks, that's the latest and the greatest with gentlemensavenue.com. And for the second time, but you're only going to catch it once. Let me introduce the guys here. They're here today. Go ahead, folks, introduce yourselves. Hello, everyone. My name is DJ Chewy and I DJ here and there for Wild Records. And that's it. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is DJ Odie. Um, I'm a DJ as well. I do my own events, Teenage Boogie, which is my record hops. And then I have uh, Teenage Kicks, which is more rock and roll, soul, oldies, punk, everything in between. And I DJ uh, twice a month for myself and anywhere else I can and whoever wants to book me. <laughs> so, you know, what? that's pretty bad because I did. We did. We talked about. 10 or 15 minutes, we thought the episode was recording, and I just called him Opie. (laughs) (laughs) Opie. New DJ name. I'm going to have to switch it now, DJ Opie. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, man. I had a guy here one time. These guys came from Portugal. They were on tour, barbers, and uh, they had a a camera guy with him. And the whole time, I I kept calling him Timon. Time or diamond. I'm sorry, diamond. I kept calling uh, diamond, and then somebody goes, "Hey, his name's Timon." Timon. And I'm like, "Well, but I've been calling him Diamond, and he never, you know." He was cool with it. Yeah, he was just kind of like polishing himself a little, you know, shaking off the dust. But we got DJ Chewy and Odie. Odie, yes. Odie. 
We, they're both here today. We're going to be talking about music, the scene and culture, the big changes and shifts that you guys have seen, because, you know, I look at it. I mean, even a few years ago, I don't know what store it was, but some hip store where they probably sold men's capri pants and stuff. They had vinyl, you yeah. know, like reproduced vinyl. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, now it's the most uh, hipster store in the mall. Well, there's a bunch of them. Like I know like american what is it i don't know like h&m all these like little yeah. trendy stores carry vinyl now and it's kind of weird to see it i mean i guess yeah, it's, it's like, a big thing right yeah it's because it's coming back all the the hipsters started collecting records mm-hmm. and then everybody started uh repressing everything so mm-hmm. for us it's kind of a bad thing because the records we were buying for like 50 cents 10 bucks are going up to 40 50 bucks yeah <laughs> Yeah, they're driving up the prices. Yeah, it definitely does. It really does. And now even stores sell, like, you know, record players now to kind of entice people to buy more records. Just, I mean, it's getting bad. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's cool to see it come back. It, well, not come back. I think it's always been there, but more noticeable noticeable now. Mm-hmm. Just like you know any other, I guess, trend, you kind of see it kind of come back. But it does drive up the prices where yeah that's right yeah that's only downside is the prices go way up i remember paying for a record 10 bucks you know 10 years ago and that was 50 60 bucks i'm like man like the prices go up and it does affect you know our wallets yeah 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 it does (laughs) speaking of record players we have the one from crossley they uh sent that over a few years ago they sent it over to me oh actually i think when i did that article that chewy was uh, contributed to i think uh I don't remember what it was called. I can't remember either, but I remember <laughs> just kind of talking about once again the vinyl coming mm-hmm. back and how accessible and it is now and compared to back you know, how people want their music. Yeah, and that was like three years ago, three or four years ago, something like that. Yeah, and yeah. I was even back then I was writing about the fact of of uh, the the resurgence. I don't even remember. That's how good the article was. Is neither of us <laughs> remember, <laughs> remember the title, <laughs> but I got a copy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. But anyways, but yeah, it was it was taking a look at this resurgence because it's it's in it's not only in the rock and roll, you know, or rockabilly or whatever genre, but it's also like in the northern soul, mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the oldies. Yeah. And the same thing with them, because I like when I had little Willie G here and I pulled up uh, a search result from Discogs for one of his 45s for it'll never be over for me mm-hmm. just the 45 i think was like 200 oh yeah yeah and he joked around he's like man i wish it, we had boxes of those and back then i think they were selling for like 75 cents <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i've seen some of his records go for yeah for mm-hmm. the midnighter stuff go pretty pricey depending mm-hmm. on the record but yeah, yeah it mm-hmm. definitely the demand for it the condition of it i mean it definitely hikes, hikes mm-hmm. up the prices and, and makes it tough sometimes because like I just came to a realization like I will never own every record that I ever want just because of the prices. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm on this group on Facebook where, man, like people pay 1500 bucks for a record. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, like how do people come up with that money? Like, I, I don't it's know. Crazy. Oh. <laughs> it's crazy. It's an com- addiction? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. You got to have it. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes like, man, should I buy this record or go starving next week? Because till I get paid again or own this record, and like sometimes like yeah, I'd rather own the record and 
you know, eat Lunchables for next week, you know? <laughs> I'll go visit my mom every day for lunch. Ama. 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 Tengo hambre, ama. Can you put in a Tupperware for me, mom? Uh, no, me, no me quieres? <laughs> but it really is. Like, sometimes you kind of look, you, you know, like, will I come across this record again? With the demand of the record and how, how bad do you really, really want mm. it, you know? At the end of the day, it's like you want it for yourself, but... When you buy buy something that's you know and people dance to it, that's like the the biggest payoff. And mm-hmm. having people mm-hmm. react to a record that you, you it's know, worth the price. Yeah, once you see people the on the experience. dance floor. Yeah, because because when we're talking about records here, we're talking about mono, right? Or traditionally, or, or the analog, the analog. It was recorded in analog yeah. mm-hmm. versus the, digital. Digital, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. What's the difference? Explain those things. I don't know. I mean, digital. I mean, for me, analog. When you I really get the the vibe that that happened in the studio. I feel I, I don't know. I mean, you get the energy. Digital is really watered down. Very, I don't, I don't know. I, it's hard to explain for me. Mm-hmm. It's when, like it's, I guess, uh, digital not as raw as a record because when you're playing records, you hear the popping in the background. Mm-hmm. Some people love that sound, and you know, okay, this is a cool, authentic sound, and. I don't know, just the raw sound of a record for yeah. me is pays off better than hearing it on um, a CD because, you know, you're playing a record, people are dancing, it starts skipping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, just, I don't know, it's just at first you're like, oh, fuck, my thing's skipping. But, you know, people go with it, it's cool. Uh, but I don't know, I just, the sound and quality of it is just a lot better, I think. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it gives it's just, you that sense of, yeah, like they're in the room. Yeah. Like, because even even the record, even if you turn down the volume and it's spinning, you could still hear sound. <laughs> yeah, coming. I don't know why, but some sort of alien technology. <laughs> um, yeah, because CDs won't do that. It's too yeah. clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think even for us, I mean, the the thrill of just going out to search for these records at flea markets, you know, the um, thrill of the hunt is that what hunt, it is? And and then stores, you, everything. You never just, know what you're gonna come across. I yeah, because uh, recently I've been having some pretty good luck at thrift stores. So, yeah, yeah I'm buying, you know, forty, fifty dollar records for a dollar fifty yeah. cents, and yeah. it's no. yeah. I just came back from a road trip. Uh, we uh, we went to um, Albuquerque and mm-hmm. kind of towards that area, and little cool shops at in, inside antique marts, and people have a, you know, collection that I spent like you know records that I was you know typically you see online for 20 30 bucks mm-hmm. and kind of like 5 6 bucks a piece and you know it was really cool to see kind of you know going to different places and getting these records mm-hmm. and just the thrill of you going through a record spending time and you know it's really cool kind of see where you come across yeah see I, I like records and I you know because that's obviously the only medium besides like eight tracks and cassettes that I grew up with mm-hmm. and uh, my dad had a couple whatever you know, mostly yeah. Mexican, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and now, like, even when I go, I'm not a collector by any means, but I do have, you know, records that I enjoy. Matter of fact, when Willie G was here, I didn't know that he had sang with Malo, the bad Malo, and that they did a record. And matter of fact, I bought it. I left it in here because I was like, well, next time I see him, <laughs> can you autograph this? You know, uh, but, you know, that's the thing is music. Not only is the music come back, but it's the medium that gives the, I think, uh, uh, the experience that people will pay $1,500, you know, they're like, fuck it, I don't need to pay rent this month, you know, (laughs) Uh, for something that is very delicate because 
you, if you leave it out in the sun, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> warped. Oh, and I have one like that that I'm pissed off about because I left it on my turntable, and this is when I used to have my own apartment. Mm-hmm. I left it. My turntables were by a window. My blinds were open. I came home from work, and my damn record was warped. Oh, damn! How much was the the record worth? It wasn't. Uh, well, it's. Um, I don't even know what it's worth. That um, the rise and fall. It was, the album is the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust. It's a Bowie album. Mm-hmm. But right now, after his passing, everything Bowie's been mm-hmm. going up. So I've been trying to find something for under. Uh, honestly, I'm kind of cheap. I don't like to spend that much money on <laughs> records. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I try to find the best bargain. So yeah. I try to spend no more than 20 bucks on that album. So you know, at, a certain, was able. at a certain point, though, it, I think even for myself, like I it, I do love going to thrift stores. Uh, I think probably the best thrift store I ever went to was in Huntington Beach. It was the Goodwill. It's a big Goodwill. Mm. And uh I remember I came across a, a Santana, the Abraxas album, and I pulled it out and it just scratched as hell. You know, it's that feeling of, yeah. oh. but then I looked and I found another one, mint. What? Oh, like, nice. Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that feeling of like, I may not play it. I may play it once and then just go put it in the stack. Yeah. And that's it. Just to know I have it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, and if, if I ever decided to play it, I would. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, I'll just stream from Pandora, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of like, I feel like, I don't know. It is maybe that sense just it's, to have. It's, it's like right now, more, Pandora is more convenient. Spotify mm-hmm. is more convenient. You make your own playlist, yeah. let it play, and that's it. Yeah, because when you guys are out there DJing, you're, you're not out there DJing with your MacBook. Oh, no. Oh, you no. know, uh, or those, I don't know, those, they're not turntables. What are they called? The ones oh, with the CDs. Oh, the, the CDJs. Yeah, they're sitting there like acting like they're scratching. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah no. no i just i do i sometimes i do, do cds because mm-hmm. i don't like i said i don't want to pay for the record so i just play the cd oh man. but um that's it that's because yeah. michael chewy <laughs> <laughs> who did you bring <laughs> give me another beer Fuck that. Yeah. i'm just kidding but uh no yeah because yeah some things yeah, yeah. If, if you're gonna you know three four thousand i've seen crazy yeah what's the most expensive record you guys have seen price seen? and which one was it i can't remember what record it was but there's this facebook group like i keep going back to because it, it, they it's a cult it's a cult and the people from all <laughs> over the world it, you know yeah, um yeah. collect you know put these records on this group and i think the most expensive i've seen it it was like close to three thousand dollars for a record Jesus. i can't remember what record it was but i know it was really rare mm-hmm. you know thinking back but i can't remember what it was but yeah, the being mint condition and being the demand and how how obscured some of these records are, like yeah, like it's it's expensive and that's the most I've seen a record go for is almost three G's and and those records when people put them online, like you know they go quick. Like someone's like me, I'll take it. I'm like damn, like yeah. how do you have that much money in the bank? Like that's that's a yeah. couple months rent right there sometimes. Yeah. You know, what so, about you, Odie? What's the most expensive you've seen? The most I've seen is probably like sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I don't remember the artist it was from that same group <laughs> that he's, that Chewie's talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't remember the artist. But somebody right away, okay, I'll take it. Yeah, just, just like, like that. Damn, huh? Just like that. I'm like, yeah. damn. And give me the sixteen hundred. <laughs> I think I seen this guy. I want to say maybe he's from Brazil. He has warehouse, like a huge warehouse. He's a collector. Well, I, I, he's more of a hoarder. Yeah, <laughs> he's like a multimillionaire. And I saw his article in the LA Times. I wish I would have snagged it uh, a couple years ago. And they just showed him like standing on top of shipping containers full, full of, records. of records. If he finds out a store is going out of business, that's what he would do. He would just buy their entire inventory. Wow. He didn't even care what was in it. What was in it. Oh, man. 
There's a, a store up here uh, down the street uh, here on Whittier Boulevard called Nerd Boy. Oh, and yeah, yeah. You go in there. You don't know. He don't know what's there. I mean, literally. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. He just got stuff, boxes on boxes and boxes underneath the boxes. Yeah. And it's like, I don't even, I like, got a certain point, the thrill of the hunt quickly becomes tiring to me. Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, I've been here an hour. Okay, I found yeah, maybe one that's or how two. Because I've been there before and I'm finding all kinds of stuff and he has no prices. And then I was like, hey, how much is this? Oh, I don't know. I was like, what do you mean you don't know? It's, it's I was like, you know what? I'm over this. I throw everything back and I just go to a different store. Yeah, 50, 50% off all the time, everything. And you're like, but yeah. if I don't know the price. Yeah. And yeah. even when you're going to through stores or places like that, it really, you have to kind of mentally prepare yourself. Because sometimes like, oh, cool. I'll go and you're in the, in the mood to go shopping. And sometimes like, man, I have no patience yeah. to go through records and sit there or stand there and, and go, go through, through everything. everything, you know? So it takes a lot of patience, takes a lot of time. And, you know, sometimes, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, will I find the one record I'm kind of looking for that's in my list? And, you know, your list is ever going. It will never, you know, get smaller. It will mm-hmm. always get bigger at my wants list of what I want. Yeah. But, yeah, you got to kind of go in mentally prepare. That yeah, when you run across that Herb Albert and Tijuana Brass, yeah. like for the fifth time, you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Really? Every three store you go, like, they have five copies of that. Dude, you're like, what the fuck? How popular was this guy? Yeah. You know, I, I dig him in the elevator or if I'm at Ralph's and I hear him come over and I'm like, hell yeah, Herb Albert, but I would not buy it. Nope. No. Or Chuck Mangione, you know, same thing, you know? Nope. You run yes. across them Goes and you're back. Yeah. Or how many country? Barbara Streisand's yeah. records at the thrift store. Yeah, like the country, like the Christmas albums, you're like, okay, that's cool, but you're like, fuck. Why? Or the religious uh, mm-hmm. gospel. Tennessee and Fords. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> i seen oh, that no. up at Lavelle's quite yeah. a few of those I'm like who was a fan I mean was this a, is, a, is it his estate that came and dropped all this shit off <laughs> yeah, I don't, we don't want it <laughs> I bought a box off someone and there was four copies of the exact same mm-hmm. religious Tennessee Ernie Ford record yeah it's from like, like the why, 50s or 60s yeah, yeah it's like why does why <laughs> <laughs> I'm like he kind of looks cool but I don't know if I want the cell phone yeah I would never you know like so, yeah do, do you sometimes buy I know there's collectors out there that sometimes buy for the artwork I not even for I do that a lot yeah <laughs> why what, 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 what's the specific it's just the artwork because I buy for the artwork sometimes and then I play the record if it's a good record you know it's it's a plus if not then I just you know frame the the artwork and just because it's cool because I I buy these uh, taboo albums. Mm-hmm. I'm not too into like the taboo music or that jungle music, but some of the covers are really cool. The I have one that the cover of it is a shrunken head. Wow. So you know it'd be cool just to kind of have up on the wall and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean for me, like when I look at well, I collect 45s. I'm not mm-hmm. really big on the LPs, but even seeing a certain label or certain you know something that kind of strikes, even the song title, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll pick it up and might not know you know what the song is i mean we have the luxury now of youtube sometimes you kind of go to a story kind of youtube but you know if it's a good price and it's a cool looking label too and the artwork on it like the the label and the artist and the name sounds cool i'll pick it up it's like a couple bucks you Mm -hmm. know just to kind of take it home and you know hopefully hopefully it's a good record and you discover Mm -hmm. something new Mm -hmm. well uh, earlier on our take one or on our on our uh, first draft, uh, we talked about Wild Records uh, and the big influence and impact 
that they've made in music, at least yeah. in the local music. But I, I know overseas also. Yeah. Uh, with the bands that are out there, here we are—a label that that has a few different genres. It's not a, just a rockabilly label. Yeah. Uh, it's got right like rock and roll, garage, blues, garage, a little bit of everything. Yeah, it, it, rhythm and blues is a really interesting genre that they've kind of cornered. They're not like the dap tone, no. you know. Yeah. But they didn't go to like the pop side of no. of rhythm and blues but they definitely have so and, and there's reb in uh his uh his garage mm-hmm. you know garage studio mm-hmm. yeah right? it moved a couple times but yeah it's always been in the garage yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah it's not uh it doesn't have the 13th floor penthouse suite no, like this we is know. amazing <laughs> view you got here Beautiful yeah view. yeah you know did you uh use the restroom down the hall the guy uh, usually Gives you mints and yeah, the towel. Yeah, little spray some cologne on you. (laughs) (laughs) Smell good. Did you open your mouth and thought it was a mouth like air freshener? (laughs) I did that once. I'm like Jose, no more. (laughs) Can your wife bring me the tamales, please? But um, and and I think that's the amazing thing about music is that it's not only the the music itself, but the live events. Right when bands are playing, because you guys, when you DJ, you also DJ where where bands are playing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. T- talk about that. Talk about the experience and how it's changed from when you started. Uh, well, I mean, well, as far as like us DJing, um, when bands are playing, I mean, I've been to shows where there's like I show up and there's no real DJ in between. Like they put like an you know um, DJ iPod, DJ iPod, and mm-hmm. kind of people want to dance in between bands or before you know and mm-hmm. afterwards. To be honest with you, and you know you show up and there's no DJ. It, we really carry that to transition between the bands to keep the energy going because people want to one dance, listen to good tunes, and when I've been to to shows when there's mm-hmm. no DJ in between, it really I feel it kills the vibe because people mm-hmm. really want to listen to music they want to dance in between mm-hmm. and you know in when we show up and say oh you're not djing tonight or you know or you know why and things like that. Like, i don't know or the why one you asked me. djing why is this guy here <laughs> yeah like, or oh, why is there like pandora playing in the background where mm-hmm. the, you know, the promoters the are cheap <laughs> <bastards>. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is <laughs> cheap. And, and but it really we I, I feel we carry that 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 vibe in between where you know the energy going because people do want to dance people mm-hmm. do want to do something in between whether even if they go grab a you know, a drink at the bar, but the music's playing and they still feel that energy till the band comes on and we keep the party going till after the band and people want to dance after yeah. the show. What about you, Audie? What do you got to, your experience and so process? My experience when I started doing bands, um, you know, I started off DJing between local bands at the Continental. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been a lot of fun. And then once I started working with Brando when he was at Spikes, mm-hmm. that's when I started get you know, DJing for bigger bands. And um, for me, I get, you know, feel honored opening, you know, a DJ set before a certain band. It's I've DJed for like big 70s punk bands and some big artists in the 80s and rockabilly scene and whatnot. But but yeah, like True was saying, people just want to hear music, good music, dance in between the bands, because if not, then you have like weird random music just playing in between the bands that doesn't fit in with the night. And it kind of throws off the vibes of everybody. Mm-hmm. In. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you brought up uh, spikes, which uh, oh, no. sadly recently got closed down. Closes doors. Yeah. yeah, not only closes doors, but the buildings, right, are going. Yeah, down. They're, that, that whole area. Yeah, the whole blocks. They're they're tearing down like five or six blocks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they're going to build like shopping centers or apartments or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, because retail, brick and mortar is really taking off these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they never heard of Amazon. Um, <laughs> taking over the world. Now, it's a shame to see a venue like that kind of, you know, being shut down like it did. And I know it's been around for so long. I think it was real. I feel, you know, people might disagree or whatever, but it's a big staple in the rockabilly mm-hmm. scene, the rock and roll scene it overall. Is. It really is. You know, yeah. and, um, you know, it's like our CBGBs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. In, in other words. It's a place, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. where everybody wanted to play. Like, the pre-Viva shows of Rhythm and Booze Monday nights, everyone, everybody wanted to play before they headed out to mm-hmm. Viva. Yeah, yeah. I think I went there, I don't know how a long time ago, and it was one of those, and I know in certain scenes, sometimes, uh, and this was back when I was single, and uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, uh, sometimes the women folk... Um, believe themselves to be more than what they are <laughs> oh yeah but, but but you know and it was but it was a good place man it was like a yeah. rustic like unlike it wasn't like you're going to like a club you weren't clubbing no you know no, what i mean no. it was it was like uh, i won't i won't say dive because it wasn't like shitty no, no. but it, it, was it was like a high-end dive bar <laughs> <laughs> luxury a luxury dive bar <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think they serve great poupon there but it, it was close it was close man uh, yeah, that place will be uh, a mist. Uh, and earlier we talked on our first take also about uh, the Continental Room. Yeah, which, yes. Uh, That's where I got my start mm-hmm. DJing, was at the Continental Room. Right. That, that was in the first take, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that was, yes. <laughs> I'm already starting to lose track of <laughs> That's how long I've been out of this. But um, yeah, people should check out the Continental Room uh, right there off Commonwealth in this, what is it, Valencia Street, maybe? It's on uh, Harbor and... Um, the Little Street, right? The so- Soco District. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that is, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Across the street from the train, cha- uh, the train station in Fullerton. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has a phone. They can Google it. The Continental yeah. Room in Fullerton. Which is Orange County's... It's Orange County. Ca- oldest drinking... Is, oh, no. Fullerton's, Fullerton's oldest oldest drinking establishment. Yeah. Best time to go is during the week because if you go Friday or Saturday, you got top 40 in hip hop. So. Yeah, yeah. And you got tons of college kids. If that's mm-hmm. your thing, that's your place to go. Mm-hmm. If it's not, go during the week. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> they might need a chaperone. <laughs> if you want to feel like the chaperone and go on those nights. Go on yeah. those nights. If you want to go with the, the adults, yes. go go check out my boy Frank there. Um, bartending since the 60s from Make New sure York. Make sure you get there before nine because that's the end of his shift. <laughs> <laughs> and we were talking about the Continental Room. We were talking about the decor and the vibe. Yes. yes. Because it's that Goodfellas, mm-hmm. Scorsese film set. That yes. red lighting really gives it a nice feel. Mm-hmm. Dark and red. And the, and the brick walls. Yes. Maybe it's better that it's dark because I don't want to know what oh, is on the floor. Oh, no, you don't <laughs> on the, on I've been there after hours. You don't want to see it dirty <laughs> when the lights are on. Walking around with the blue light like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but it is a cool, cool drinking yeah, establishment. Yeah. It's the best, I feel, if Fullerton is the best place to go grab a drink away from your traditional, or well, not your traditional, but your overrated Hip. bar down the street yeah. <laughs> that's no that's down there is definitely if you're willing if you want to get a good drink is that's the place to mm-hmm. go yeah and it's a good place not only yeah it's they didn't uh they didn't have to buy they didn't have to go to the antique mall to purchase all the no, shit to no. put on the walls they just kept it yeah it's the shit that they, they've had yeah, for and years yeah. and their um vip room by the entrance i don't know if you've seen it or not yeah. mm. um they have uh inside they have photos of the bar when it first opened up and and the original owners it's it's really cool mm-hmm. that's when you, right when you right when you walk into your left it's right? to the left yeah okay. it's a, yeah, yeah. you got to open the doors and see in there but it's it's really cool in there they have their own little table tv and then they have all those photos in there and just gives you a little bit of the history mm. of the bar 
Yeah. And then we said the bands, the bands play there. It was a lot, yeah, a lot of good bands there. A lot of great bands. Mm-hmm. First time there. I saw Nick Kern was at the mm-hmm. Continental Room, fitting mm-hmm. it, that big ass piano on stage, <laughs> and then the rest of the band. And it's not even the stage, like you yeah, said exactly. earlier, Mister M. <laughs> the corner, it's the a corner, corner, and it's blocked off by this little wall thingy that's like you know this little small thingy. Yeah, and the, and it's almost the, like we would put a puppet show there. Yeah, that's yeah. how small. Yeah, that's, that's what, what it, it looks like. like. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. As a current, you know, the current comes up, yeah. and then the puppets start dancing. <laughs> that's what it looks like. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then when it rains, they used to flood there, and when my friend's band played. So they had to play on the floor because the stage was all flooded. Mm. Oh, it was man. a crazy night. Speaking of bands, we have your shirt is Los Rhythm Rockets. Los Rhythm Rockets, yes. Who were here back in September. Moy and Gilbert and the whole crew. Amazing yeah. guys. Yes. And we have our beloved great. Carlos. Carlos. Carlos Gomez. Slope. Yeah, from. Uh, the Ramblers. Yeah, from yeah, the Ramblers. Ramblers. High Strung Ramblers. Ramblers. Um, both great bands. Great music. Uh, and even when you look at the high strung ramblers from where they started, which was like traditional, it was rockabilly, yeah, right? yeah. but yeah. a little bit more gr- gritty. Mm-hmm. And then to where his last album was, yeah. was, you know, in advanced. Absolutely. Right? Was, I think everything they did was really good. It's just, yeah. he always changed it up, added his own influences. Wasn't just, you know, rockabilly or anything like that. Like the indie and everything else. Yeah. It just fit in so perfect. Uh, absolutely he he drew from different you know um influences even his, the last record that he recorded what they recorded together the acoustic album i remember sitting you know talking to him and we always just talked about he was into big into nirvana that was the last you no know, song on the record it's a nirvana nirvana cover but how much you know we both love like acoustic songs like mm-hmm. when the, one of our favorite bands would do their song but acoustic and and those ideas kind of just talking and then him going through it and doing something so different that you know, the way it got recorded, the song sounds so different. It's just his vision of kind of just kind of pushing the moving it forward, mm-hmm. the sound, which is really like something you don't get very much nowadays with, with the, the scene, I think. And mm-hmm. he had he had his own way of doing things and he didn't care what people thought. He just wanted to do his own thing. So that's what I loved about Carlos. He's just kind of almost like a visionary in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, re- I remember when I was you know, filming Omar a few years ago, Omar Romero, and mm-hmm. I, we were talking about Carlos and I said, you know, uh, he did this amazing rendition. I said, what's the first song you remember Carlos ever doing? Actually, it was beef. We've, I filmed him the day before, or no, the day of, when they were going to do the benefit show at the airliner. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was at his house filming him there, and he does, he sat there, and it was crazy, because I'm thinking, here's a guy who's known Carlos for probably more than 10 years. Yeah. And it took him about 10 seconds and he gets his guitar and he does Blue Moon Baby. <laughs> and I thought, dude, that sounds like Carlos. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, but it was, you know, who tragically passed. Was it two years ago? Yeah. Yeah, a little over two years ago. Um, owner of American Vintage Barbershop. And so you guys also brought some music. Yes. Right? Let's get some music. I think Chewy's ready for some more beer. Yes. Because, I do um, need another beer. Okay. yeah, if you don't mind, I got you. Uh, I got you. <laughs> DJ Odie, if you don't mind handing me over a beer too, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll get some music. Yeah, if you could pull the cord, maybe he can get a little bit more slack yeah. there on his. It might be tight over there, maybe Velcroed. I don't know. Being that I, don't, I can't see through a table. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I'm working on that. There you go. Gracias. I'm not even sure what Pacifico Claro Clara means. Does that mean it's light? Uh, or I don't know. I don't know. I've never... <laughs> but I like 
Pacifico. Yeah. Actually, if we had some ceviche, that'd be even better. Oh, yeah. Yes. Any good ceviche spots around here? Yes, sir. Okay. We shall uh, maybe go later. <laughs> yes. Actually, we were talking earlier about the bands that have played here and Los Rhythm Rockets played here. And they, I know you were thinking, man, how do they get up here on the 13th floor lugging all this? Yeah, going know? up all those stairs. They had roadies, though, man. Oh, they have roadies. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Gilbert's nephews. Yeah. <laughs> those are his roadies. Yes. Come on, come on, wow. mijo. Yeah. It's okay. Your back is good. <laughs> Use your back. Yeah. Don't bend your knees. <laughs> They'll, they'll take you to the Salvador. Vapuru, we'll put Vapuru on your back. Vapuru. Get us from 7-Up. 7-Up and Vapuru. Mexican remedies right there. Sal de uva. Quiero sal de uva. Me duele la espalda. It's okay. People, Google those things in case you're, you're uncultured. And then uh, the alcohol with the weed in it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Yeah, totally. If you're not familiar with Latino culture, mm-hmm. I don't know how, if it's just in Mexico or South America, but I'll just say Latino no. cultures. <laughs> they the have weed. They call it yerba buena, yeah. right? Most of the time. Yerba, yeah, and which my, is pot. Which yeah, is you know, my parents are really against weed, <laughs> but I was like, you have that alcohol bottle with <laughs> weed in it. You know what's the difference? But it, I don't feel I don't hurt no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, put put some music on, and uh, we'll talk about it and, and get cracking here a little bit. T- tell me what record it is, and if you have any specific. So right now the record I'm gonna be uh, that choosing to play for me right now it's uh, the Bell Furies uh, what from their first sing first single from the new album is called Bad Seat Sound they're one of my favorite bands unfortunately broke up they're from Austin Texas and um, so sure you can get it on there here's a uh, Bad Seat Sound by the Bell Furies. So you know what it sounds like? It, it has that sound of just like, I don't know, driving through the Southwest. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, maybe up Central California along the coast or something, you know? Not not country, but there's a little bit of country in there. Maybe that That's twang, that, right? That guitar, right? Guitar sound. And and, and the Belfries, you were telling me they broke up. The yeah, because um, because their what the last show out here was with us uh, at Spikes, because that was because my brothers used to do shows. It was called the Atomic Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it was both my brothers, and they were doing their final show. The Belfries were in town doing their final tour. So their final show in L.A. was the Atomic Ball's final show at Spikes. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the best shows that we've had with the Belfries. You know, every show they do is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they played all you know all their hits. Every album that they've ever released has been completely different from the Just Plain Lonesome to the Palmyra album to the recent one, which is called uh, Workman Bell, uh, Workman's Bell Fury. Mm-hmm. And it was produced by Jimmy Sutton of um, J.D. McPherson mm-hmm. at his label High Style. But if they ever get back together, this is one band that's a must-see because the way they sound on record is how they sound live. No change. Did they ever do Conan? Uh, no, no, that was... Um, Little Straight Jackets. Little Straight Jackets, yeah. With uh, Big Sandy. Yeah, with Big Sandy. It even has that little bit of a surf vibe. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, because they, when they were recording, they kind of mix in all their different influences. Because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, Joey, the singer of the band, he's a big uh, Metallica fan, and yeah, they, they incorporate he, the whole kinds of styles into their set. So you're saying they do a they do a Sandman? No, they do uh, the last what they do oh they were playing uh like the first half of rain and blood <laughs> at spikes <laughs> yeah. that, that slayer song yeah but it's a it's a because cool, they even the last e little record they put out they covered a misfit song too oh yeah you no know, different where eagles it, it's good it's like it's not a it's not like a traditional you know punk version of it. it's like a more like rock and roll rockabilly-ish <laughs> version of where eagles dare so it, it was really good they just you know expand they've done all kinds mm-hmm. of different covers you know from misfits to the smiths to the beatles yeah hmm. yeah so what what else you got to what, 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 you know? um i'm throwing this little instrumental um by the whalers uh band from uh tacoma washington uh, you know the sonics all that came out in the 60s it's one a really cool song um i came across and i'll go play for you I have a thing for instrumentals. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it has a cool little vibe to it, like 60s, like Shag or something. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's a 60s song. I know um, they go by the fabulous Whalers too, but it's, it's they're from Seattle, Tacoma, Washington. So mm-hmm. it's really, really cool to see this style, type of style come out in the 60s. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I find this record very I don't know, entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that little, you know, toe tapping yeah. vibe, right? Thinking about the girls dancing in the beach right now, uh-huh. <laughs> with those little dresses, with the little like, you know what I mean? <laughs> or maybe no dresses. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if the party gets cracking. It depends you know? what beach you're on. <laughs> <laughs> if you're drinking Pacifico Clara <laughs> with your mm. alcohol, with the, you know, the marijuana. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not gonna lie. This stuff works. <laughs> it really does. It really, really does. Drinking or putting it on? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> both. <laughs> Don't drink it. <laughs> you start to hallucinate. <laughs> yeah, I saw this music, man. It, it's it's got that, you know. You could just like this could be a Tarantino, you know. Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> very much Quentin Tarantino influence for a movie so if he's listening yeah. get this on your soundtrack yeah I think when when Luis was here Luis Ariaga he was talking about what was his name <laughs> in Vegas rocking Ronnie Weiser oh, right. <laughs> Whew, I found that one there in my brain <laughs> yeah um, but a lot of the music that he introduced back out into the scene mm-hmm. you know which some of it has been discovered by people like tarantino mm-hmm. for their films because stuff like this back then i mean these guys weren't on american bandstand were they oh, no 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 uh, this type of music wasn't really i don't say it was accepted but it wasn't in your top 40 for sure yeah you know so they may come out in like old 60s movies here and there but mm-hmm. but it wasn't nothing mainstream so you have to know it so when you're out there hunting how many times, or do you find that you often run across a record and you're like, hmm, 
Let me Google and or YouTube to see even what the hell this is. Yeah, I, I do that. But sometimes some of the songs don't even pop up on Google. So you just have to decide, do I buy it or do I leave it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you leave it, you know, a couple of weeks later, somebody's playing that song. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a cool song. What is it? They Tells you, oh, yeah, I pay like 600 bucks for it. This is like, fuck, I j- left it at the thrift store for a dollar. <laughs> I had no idea what it was and I couldn't find it. Yeah. But even sometimes for me, even the holding of 45, um, oh, shit. Um, you know, feel so good. Even going through, I'm like, oh shit, the the you know the label looks cool, or the mm-hmm. song, the name of the song sounds cool. You know, it's a good price. I'll take it, and I'll see if it's any good at mm-hmm. home too. You know, yeah. so you know, it's just the thrill of just kind of going through it and buying 45s. I don't know. Because <laughs> some guys even take like a portable yeah, yeah. record player. Yeah, yeah they yeah. do just to listen. Yeah. I'm not that person. Don't ever be no. that person. <laughs> well, okay, I'm not that person. <laughs> I'm kidding. Whoever does that, it's cool. <laughs> I do that at the swap meets, but then I get tired of carrying the little yeah. portable one. I'm like, nah, just, just get the Fisher Price one <laughs> <laughs> with the batteries. Hey, you can hear it. You can hear it. Yeah, if you get yeah. the one with the Walt Disney, you made out. <laughs> but yeah, because even record players have. It's not only the vinyl themselves, but I mean, if you don't have like a fine crafted. Uh, piece of uh electronics like crossley <laughs> like the crossley i have that they sent me thank you crossley appreciate you guys support and you can purchase them at target and walmart and all fine stores across america maybe amazon amazon too yeah anyways um but record players are also huge yes right? yes to tube or not to tube that is a question Tube record players mm-hmm. do you guys agree disagree well, I can't. Are you going for the modern? Because I have techniques, and I have three yeah. of them that have tubes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I collect both, and then every time I find a Crosley, I either sell it or give it away. Yeah, because I don't benefit off Crosleys. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't know. I mean, I just took to my one that I have at home. Um, it plays my records, and I hook up my speakers to it, mm-hmm. and it plays, and I just have my new marks that I, when I DJ. That's it. I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, some people are kind of specific on the turntable turn brand they use. Yeah, yeah. Some people can only use a want to use the Technics twelve hundreds, and it's yeah. I don't. Or, got, I don't got the kind of budget. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> you need to have a Macintosh <laughs> amplifier. I mean, you get like yeah, it gets pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. yeah when do you still got because you know there's the Techniques and then there's like different versions of the Techniques. Yeah. To me, years. it's like you spend that money on the turntables, and if you have a decent one at home cool he plays records does his job and I'll, I'll play i'll use that other money to actually invest in my records mm-hmm. and you know to buy more you know stuff that i want so i don't know it's weird so like how many records do each of you own approximately no. or if you probably have accounted i don't know i don't know i don't know i have no idea i just well i just bought this little it's like storage a, shed it's a <laughs> it's like a bar i guess it's big as wooden bar and it has a door that opens for the drinks. Mm-hmm. I just shoved all my records in there and I keep it open. But um, I'm running out of room. So mm-hmm. I don't collect them because I don't have a big place. And um, and I, again, I'm kind of cheap. I don't want to spend too much money on, <laughs> on records because I got other stuff I got to pay out because I don't want to be homeless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how many records I have, but I collect every single week. I go out and, and you know, either go to... You know, flea mar- the weekend flea markets or record stop record stores during the weekend, and every time I go in, for the most part, I do grab a couple of records, mm-hmm. a couple, you know, over a couple, I don't know, thou- I mean, thousand, yeah, yeah just forty fives because you 45, can collect so many yeah. of those. Yeah, I'm not a big on LPs, like I said, but mm-hmm. um, I'm big on forty fives. I don't collect LPs as much, but 
Uh, yeah. See, I'm, I'm more like the guy who like buys stuff that I want to hear on a record, mm-hmm. not necessarily like trying to discover mm-hmm. something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you do have those people that are like, okay, I want to hear this on a record too. Yeah. What it sounds like, or you know, if it's someone's favorite artist, they buy everything that they release. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. what it is, they'll just buy it. So what else you guys got? Are you going to play some more? Yeah, yeah I got another one over here. What do you got there, Odie? So this is uh, Jack and the Rippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lead singer is Nick Barnes, which is the owner of uh, Sneaky Tiki Boutique out uh-huh. in um, Long Beach. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised that I found this here at a local record store in Anaheim because um, a lot of their stuff is kind of hard to find because mm-hmm. I don't think many many of it was printed, but... I think the song Chewie's gonna play for me is gonna be uh Who's gonna rock my baby? Well, who's gonna hold that woman all that long? Well, who's gonna take to the midnight spot? Get on the love when it's time to rock. Who's gonna rock my baby when I'm gone? Let's go. Yeah, this one has more of a like rock and roll vibe like yeah. raw rock and roll not like when i say rock and roll i don't mean like rolling stones or something like that i mean like 50s rock and roll yeah whereas like some people call it like 50s punk yeah yeah, yeah which would have been right it wasn't yeah. the, the the teeny bopper no music no, it was it's not like uh ricky nelson or anything like that <laughs> yeah it was the guys with the cuff levi's and, you know rolled up white t-shirts and, and that's what drew me to the whole rockabilly thing too because I, I mean going to junior high things like that you know listening to punk rock and you know I started kind of going back in time listening to like you know the class Ramones and Stiff Little Fingers and like what influenced them but you hear some of the stories from you know the punk scene into the rockabilly scenes like the rebellious rebellious rebellion of it I guess you know it, it really goes kind of matches up the stories like how people didn't want this type of music being played and all the you know all those stories you hear is really what happened in the punk scene too in you know the late seventies eighties you know so it's kind of cool to kind of see that energy still from the fifties to the punk scene kind of still it's be like there a different version of punk yeah, yeah. is a different version of punk yeah, yeah they're not playing what's on the radio or top forty or anything like that they're playing what they like yeah. and mm-hmm. some young kids that wanted to go into a studio to record a couple songs and then they made something and you know they put it out and people were drawn to it it's kind of that energy you know that people you know like to listen to mm-hmm. you know and nothing better than playing on the record i feel yeah no it does it gives that that kind of black and white movie of feel to it of kind of you know motorcycle you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> which speaking of because uh the wild one which was martin brando's movie and yeah. then Los Wild Ones, which was the documentary about Wild Records, mm-hmm. right? T- t- tell me about that, Chewy. What about that movie? <laughs> <laughs> that award-winning, oh, award-winning documentary. Oh man, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I mean, I guess seeing I was around when they were filming that movie, and uh, my ugly mug came out in the opening, one of the opening scenes. Uh, scenes in the movie but um no seeing that that, that movie and kind of telling the story about a uh, about family because what really what wild records really is is it's a family of people that really care about one another 
um, was kind of cool to see the attention they got and the awards that it received, the way it was put together, you know, you made you laugh, it made you cry a little bit and things like that. So it was cool kind of see the the reception it got, I guess, you know, from, from people and the awards that it won and how much it really brought the label to light from people that have never been exposed, even to this type of music, which is, you know, in its own way still under, you know, it's underground, but to us it's an everyday thing that we, you know, we go, to, you know, we do shows every weekend here in Southern California. We live it day to day, but it's kind of see a movie like that kind of expose people to that type of music. It's really cool to see okay. and kind of the, the, the dynam, dynamics of the label, you know, mm-hmm. so it's cool. So have you guys ever felt that moment of like when you meet somebody and you're like, holy shit. I'm meeting this person. Yeah. <laughs> well, well t- tell me what each of your experiences were in that moment. For me, the the one the holy shit moment. I remember um, Lewis and the Wildfires opened up for Reverend Horn and Heat at the House of Blues in L.A. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, Rev invited me. I don't know why he liked to invite me to these things. But backstage, Lemmy from Motorhead was oh, backstage, nice. and. Really, I you know, for me, that was like, a, oh, shit, you know, it's Lemmy from Motorhead moment, you know, mm-hmm. like I was starstruck. I think for the first time, I feel like I was like, I felt like I was starstruck. When I told him, I said, I'm a big fan, shook his hand, and I walked away. I was like, oh, shit, it's Lemmy. <laughs> it yeah, was backstage yeah, yeah. hanging out. And um, I don't know, that was one of those like, you know, starstruck moments for me. What about you, Odie? Yeah, for mine, it was actually not that long ago over at um, the Horns Hayride. No, not Horns Hayride. Um, the one that happens in Santana, it's um, SoCal Hoedown. Mm-hmm. So it was a, an all-day event. Jello Biafra of the Dead Kennedys was playing there by um, with his band. Mm-hmm. And then after, Brando was having an after party at Diego's. And um, so Brando got me in. You know, I was DJing for him that night. And uh, after Jello was done, I went downstairs to the green room to hang out. And he walked in. So I was like what do i do the first thing i do i was like hey can i take a picture with you and i'm not one to take selfies or anything like that so um we took a picture we started talking a little bit and um i told him i was djing next door he goes oh yeah i dj'd the previous night and because he dj'd with matt Bell and uh, vince maldonado of uh from uh, the big beat mm-hmm. with uh, Victor tafoya mm-hmm. and i told him we we're doing a rockabilly and he goes oh i like rockabilly i have records but i didn't play it last night so i jumped on i jumped on the opportunity i was like hey how about you dj with me i'll share my <laughs> set with you okay cool and i told brando um because brando's friends with him and he goes yeah i'll shoot him a text you know all night jello never showed up so i was like djing up there and then i saw him i was like okay maybe he's gonna hang out and then the crowd opened up and he had records so i was like okay i'm gonna fucking have him up here <laughs> for me that was one of the biggest moments is i got a chance to dj a record hop with jello be of the dead kennedys because i've always i started off with punk so for me it's just I was a fucking little girl that night. <laughs> school DJ girl, next, huh? Little school girl DJ next to Jello. That Damn. for me, that was a big, yeah. big moment. You know what you should have done? You should have like, when you saw him digging through the records, just put your hand there, like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Like, <laughs> uh, just get the. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, your hands right he, here. He oh, has a tendency <laughs> of shopping through people's uh, records because he goes, oh, "Oh, this is good. This is good." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, you can have it." And I knew because uh, he he did that at a few of my friends because um mm-hmm. um. Uh, my friend Richard Shanty Champ, the guy from Radio Core, the, he started and um, Will Torres, he's another DJ from the radio show. He, you know, he got records from their boxes and they told me those stories and he goes like, oh, this is a good record. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is um, Los Brother Markets for because I, I was playing one of their songs with uh, Cynthia. And I was like, yeah, this is like Los Brother Markets with uh, Cynthia. And then so I put it back in my box because I didn't want him to take it because I know, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, how he is in there. But he was 
cool guy and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. Hey, maybe punk heroes. Yeah, maybe yeah. you could have told him if you give me a hug. <laughs> but then at the end of the night, I wasn't expecting. He gave me one of his records, oh, one nice. of it like his band's records. So you were you you held out, and then he he gave it. He put out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Damn. laughs> look at that. Yeah, See that, Chewy? That's how you got to do it, buddy. I got to take notes from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and as far as records owning, um, and and in regard to celebrity or people that you look up to, mm-hmm. uh, what has been the significant one for you? Like the record like the, or yeah, like, like, Oh my God, I have this record and then there they are and I know them or I can talk to them or I, it doesn't have to be that they're huge celebrities, mm-hmm. but people that you, you know, like earlier I shared, uh, Luis Ariaga, which was yeah. arguably, I think one of the first artists with yeah. wild records yeah. that actually pretty much built with, because of the music with wild records. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he gave me, uh, he only owned two copies of the first pressing of Wild Records yeah. uh, offerings. And he, he goes, the other one's broken, but here's a complete one. <laughs> so to me, that was huge, right? Yeah, because yeah. it has a meaning. It may not be like, it may not go on eBay like Giselle's records, you know, for hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And he got the whatever colored version. Yeah. The oh, first yeah, you know what I mean? Of, uh, Baby, please don't go. Yeah, that's the one I have. And I've had somebody offer me 300 bucks yeah. for it, but I won't sell. Yeah, so to me, it's, it's like, crazy. It, it, I, I don't even know. But to me, it was an important yeah. record because mm. it something that was pressed when wild their first outing mm. into records and into from going probably from i don't even know they were probably wild promotions till at that mm-hmm. point versus wild yeah. records yeah so but for you guys is there one or a few that you feel like this is the record because it symbolized either a relationship with somebody mm, not necessarily i mean I, I haven't really met any like talking about like someone you met you have a record you met you kind of or an association it. through an association it could be like like for me another one could be uh one of the i think the last santos album because carlos gave it to me he goes yeah. here i played on it you yeah. want one yeah and so to me that carried a yeah. special meaning it may not be for yeah. the rest of the world yeah, yeah. but for me for, it does for me i think um a song that Omar Romero introduced, like he gave me a record. He said, Hey man, you know, take care of this record. It means a lot to me. It was a uh, L-, L Wilson, the snake. <laughs> and he was when we used to hang out a lot back in Pomona, but he gave me this record and said, Hey man, take care of this record. It's a cool song. I want you to have it. And you know, it's not because it's like a rare record, but it came from him and he gave it to me that I always kind of actually text him a few months ago. That, hey, I found it. He wrote a little note on the actual sleeve. That that meant a lot to me because like, hey man, this is a record from your collection mm-hmm. that you kind of passed down to me, and it's a real cool song that I've never heard at that time. Mm-hmm. And that 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 record means a lot to me. What about you, Odie? I don't know. I really don't. I don't have any like sentimental stories like that about my records, but um, well, you did have a pretty sentimental one well, about he, the Dead Kennedys. Guy. Yeah, well, yeah, right? well, that's the only one I really have. I that, mean, I, I haven't seen him smile as much. He's actually smiled yeah. a ton. Like seriously, most of the time he's little, been mellow, you know, kind of like just monotone. And then, man, when he was talking about that guy, it was like it was like a bit, yeah, well, yeah, because um, he gave me his record and he, yeah. and he signed it for me that night. So for me, that's one of my um, pride possessions right now. Yeah, and I bought another dead kennedy's record off of my friend matt and i he was djing with jello at um tiki oasis Mm -hmm. and so he goes oh i'm gonna keep the record i was like oh okay then whatever and uh but he had jello sign the record for me and he made he remembered who i was because we when we dj'd and he you know wrote 
dedicated that record for me too. I was like, okay. So I got those two. That's you remembered because you held out. <laughs> yeah. You weren't easy. You weren't easy. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. See, now everybody's going to know that. They're going to be like, okay. <laughs> this guy's playing games with me. No. <laughs> playing games with my emotions. But uh, I see you guys got a stack of records out now. Uh, what, what do you want to put on and, and whatever you want to talk about the record? Um, I don't know. I'll play this record. Um, it's a Richie Valen song, but it's in Spanish by a band called Los Rebeldes de Rock. And it's Uma Head, um, but in Spanish. Mm. So it's good to go. Now, is this going to be like original 1960s, 50s Spanish rock? Or yeah. is it yeah. like Los Apsen? Something like that. I just always found it interesting that how big the rock, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, how big, you know, the influence of, you know, songs that came out in here in the U.S. influenced a lot of the stuff in Mexico, mm-hmm. too, which is really cool to see. Well, yeah, because like we we're, I just mentioned Los Apsen, you yeah. got, they were doing like Beatles. Yeah. Rolling Stones. Like Rolling Stones. Um, they, did, they did like a lot of um, soul covers, too. Like mm-hmm. um, I think Otis Redding is on Back at the Bay, maybe. I don't remember. Um. Was it the Drifters, the Boardwalk? Yeah, Drifters, right? Mm-hmm. That's uh, Los Apsons did that one. Mm-hmm. But there's all, all the a lot of the rock, you know, the rock and roll bands from Mexico. They have at least one Spanish version of a '60s, '50s rock and roll song from the U.S. that they did in Spanish. Kind of change it up a little bit. Also, did like you look at like Rocksteady, right? Which mm-hmm. is before yes. reggae. Yeah. yeah, they they're the fathers of reggae, really. Uh, they did a lot of covers yeah, of really R&B did. music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. uh, it's kind of cool to hear their take on it, how they mm-hmm. interpret a song and things like that. It's really cool you know, to see their, their take on it because they, maybe they might understand what they're saying on the actual song, but it's what they hear you know, when they play the record. It's like, oh, man, it sounds like this to me. We can make a different mm-hmm. version of it. <clears throat> Matter of fact, the... the um the Righteous Brothers, they did a song. I think it was the Righteous Brothers. Uh, Latin Lupe Lou. Oh, yeah. That was for a woman, Lupe Laguna from Santana. Oh, really? Yeah, he, he was, uh, <laughs> who's still alive. He was oh. still alive. And uh, I got an interview with her, which was really cool because it's like, you're the woman <laughs> who like, yeah. inspired <laughs> Cause the I just, song. I just heard that song last night because I bought this uh, compilation from a thrift store yeah. and that song's on that record. Yeah, yeah. She looks really great. You know, she's in her 70s, but she, I can't remember the guy's name right now offhand. Yeah. But, uh, in matter of fact, it was interesting because I, I, this isn't a side note, but it, but it's also about music because the reason they called themselves the Righteous Brothers was, you know, here's these two white guys from Orange County, South yeah. Orange County at that. Mm-hmm. And they always wanted to sing like, african-americans <laughs> they wanted to sound like them yeah. and they noticed that they would always say back then that's righteous that's righteous <laughs> so they thought wow we're gonna call ourselves the righteous brothers you know <laughs> because they were they, that was their kind of like tribute to to soul music yeah, yeah. you know like they looked at it as and then i think with rockabilly whether it's like you're saying the cramps or dead candies or people that have grown up 
either influenced by it because of yeah. the energy. Because music's energy, man. No yeah. matter how you look at it, it, it it causes either somebody to like feel something mm-hmm. or like, man, I remember when I was 16 or 17 when I heard this yeah. for the first time. Yeah. It's like a time machine. It really, for really our is. And it's weird because I, I go through some songs where I haven't heard in over 10 years, but I, I hear the few couple few couple words and it, right away it, I start learning, knowing the songs. It's weird how your brain kind of operates with the song. Where you hear something, you might have, it's been maybe 10 years since you've heard this particular record, but just listening to the first couple, you know, words, like, man, it just brings back, you know, the song, and it's weird that you can memorize a song from 10 years ago, but you can't memorize what you Mm -hmm. did yesterday, but a song always kind of clicks with you and brings back those memories. It is very much a time machine, which I think that, you know, draws people together, you know, so it's really, really cool. I think even like now as, as people are, and you guys probably see this out there when you're out there in the scene is that, you know, whether people are doing like the salvage denim or the custom made boots and, yeah. you know, whatever, the Stetson <laughs> hats or whatever it is. Whatever's um, cool at the moment. Yes. Yeah. But, but it's that sense to grab on to something that's original and authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That reminds you maybe more of a simpler time. Yeah. Whether people like there's people that are totally do their house mid-century Mm-hmm. Like, or they're in the process of, because they want to like grasp that idea mm-hmm. of what that is. I think even the craftsmanship or the things that happen like mid-century stuff, it's really unique. Like the way things were built back then. Mm-hmm. It's you know now you take a trip like you're talking about South Orange County, like those houses all look the same when you go further down south. But mm. you come to an area like even Whittier or things like that, you see how the history behind those neighborhoods and things like that. I think people are drawn to the uniqueness of things like that, mm-hmm. I feel, as opposed to when you go kind of like those, like down south where everything kind of, certain neighborhoods look the same. It's kind of the same structure, things like that. I don't know, people feel maybe feel the way about their homes. They want the uniqueness, the the spirit of you know, of a simpler time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Coke? Yeah, double what Chewy said. <laughs> You're drunk. <laughs> I actually got to use the restroom. Go for it, man. Where, where do it's you right there. Where are the guys at? You see where the guy's <laughs> the standing guy's outside? He's going to give you a tic-tac. Yeah, he'll give you a... Yeah. <laughs> just, just tell Jose. Andale, Jose. It's right there, man. Go ahead. and You go walk down the hall and uh, where the little lights are. <laughs> I'll make sure I don't get the cologne sprayed in yeah. my mouth. <laughs> don't, don't, don't pee in the, the janitor's closet, all right? That's been That's done funny. before. But... Uh, why, right, Chewie? Well, well, put something else on, man. I don't even know what to play. Um, let's see. Actually, let me play the, this song. Actually, dig this song a lot. It's a, it came came out in the mm, closer to mid mid sixties, but it's mm-hmm. a cool song that people actually dance to in the rockabilly scene. Mm-hmm. It's by Donnie Nix. Ain't about to go home, but I. Absolutely love the way this song got recorded from the drums to the guitar. Just the energy is really cool. No, Chuck Berrios, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little Chuck Berrios. But the energy, I, I can almost feel like being in the studio the energy in the in, in that room mm-hmm. being recorded you know is like the drums the guitar just the energy is really really cool it's like if chuck berry played rockabilly something like 
little bit of uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Mm-hmm. Mix, mixed with a little surf. And, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Something about this record really, I dig a lot. It's got a good vibe. Got a good sound. It's kind of got that hard drums too. Uh, and honestly, that's what I love about the most. Like, you can hear like the guy yeah. just rocking out in that studio. I don't know. When I found this record, I got excited. Yeah. Jose, take care of you over there, man. Yeah, he he has a good cologne there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we went old school. I think we did Joe Van Musk. Oh. <laughs> Brute. Kind of even sounds like reminds me of like say like in the UK like in the 60s when they mm-hmm. were trying to do you know rock like Jimmy Page when you hear some of his stuff yeah. or Eric Clapton like you know when they were in between whether the Yardbirds or whatever mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just glad people dance to this record which is really cool. <laughs> That's what it's about, right? When you guys are out there and you're putting the music on or you're looking for records, you're looking for stuff that's get your toes tapping, right? Or get your head bopping, yeah, you know? Yeah. You know, or people on the on the dance floor, you know, even sometimes we, we do take risks. You know, I was happy I was having a conversation with uh Bud, which is also a DJ and he's a tattoo artist as well. But like sometimes, you know, people want to hear the same stuff over and over, like it's taking a risk of playing a song that maybe they've never heard. Mm-hmm. Like Will they stay on the dance floor or they will they come off? It's like you don't know till you play it. You know, sometimes like, damn, if it's a kind of a miss. <laughs> you know, I think even like the artists themselves, because I remember when Luis put his on and he was like hard on himself about it. Like, oh, man, I know it sounds like shit. I know it's like blah, blah, blah. We were just kids. And I'm sitting there going like, dude, it sounds raw. Sounds it sounds like what rock and roll yeah. should sound like. Yeah. And it's capturing what what they're you know um, what they were feeling at the time you know so it's you can't we can't recreate that you know mm-hmm. that, that that youth that that energy that you might have recorded you know fifteen years ago or, or how long they've they've been around the scene you know so to kind of hear back their record and how far they've come along is kind of cool to see that too well, yeah but. because a lot of these guys even Los Rhythm Rockets I have played in Europe right mm-hmm. they played in Europe I I think they played in Japan. Yeah, Italy a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's like I see that the rest of the world is also trying to... I think um, Charles Bradley did a song. I think it's something like, why is it so hard to make it in America? America. (laughs) Because even people like him from Daptone Records, which is super huge, they are more of a success overseas overseas than in here. I think it goes both ways because... Some of the bands overseas don't make it out there, but they're so big out here. Mm-hmm. So I don't no, know. It just like Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we're we're spoiled here. I mean, yeah. Charles Bradley. I mean, we that was really a are. huge loss. I mean, I feel I, I regret I regret not seeing him live. And it's one of same those here, things, yeah. One of those things, but um, yeah, I think people in, in Europe, especially in, in this scene, they're more or overseas, they're more receptive to the music. Where here they. You know, any band could play and they'll draw a crowd of 100, 200, 300 if lucky, you know. But overseas, they play to thousands of people and they, they go wild. They, they they don't, you know, hold back because they don't, they don't see them every single time. Like, we're spoiled here. Like, tonight, Giselle's playing and I've seen her plenty of times. But people overseas that don't get to see her, like, they go 
wild over her today, you know. So it's kind of see the difference between how spoiled spoiled we are here in Southern California. And you yeah. know, I, I, Tom Tom Ingram from Viva Las Vegas, yeah. really I think has contributed to a to a large extent that popularity yeah. because right people will save up. I've had people come here who from Japan who were only in town because of Eva. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they came over to California and then they came over here and whatever, I interviewed them. But to me it was like, wow, I mean, how much, and they're gone for like a week or whatever. And I'm thinking, you brought your whole family over for this. <laughs> you how Do you save all year yeah. for this moment? And how many people do that? Not just from Japan, Germany. I mean, all over Everywhere. the world come yeah. to Viva. Yeah. It's, you know, drop a ton of money on the event itself, but then also on all the vendors that are there, the, the antiques and, you know, mm-hmm. vintage clothing. And we really take advantage of it here in Southern California because it's so close to Vegas. Yeah. Where there's pre things going on, events going on, whether it be shows to, you know, um, vintage clothing sales to post Viva Las Vegas things going on. Mm-hmm. So people do make a an event out of it. They make a vacation out of it. They come out and they spend a couple weeks out here you know, exploring whatever or going shopping for records for, or going to shows mm-hmm. or things like that. And then they go to Vegas and then they stay after Vegas to come back to L.A. for whatever reason to whatever's going on. Just after some of the L.A. bands yeah. that, you know, didn't play at Viva because L.A. bands that go to Viva to play, most of the people are like, nah, I don't want to go see them. I'll see them next week back home. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, most of the people that go to Viva be like, oh, no, I'm going to go see them because when's the next time I'm going to. Get a chance to see the, this yeah. band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- I think that's the <clears throat> the one thing that there's so many different things that keep this music alive. Yeah. That it's, you know, not only Viva Las Vegas, but you guys who are doing events, you know, alongside, even if it's with a band in between sets or whatever, but it's it's creating that momentum that keeps the, the thing moving, the, the scene, the yeah. industry moving forward. Because, yeah, a lot of these bands, they're, they don't do this for a living. No, you know, they have fun. They they <laughs> have regular jobs, whatever, nine to fives, and they do this. And like you said, most people <laughs> from other parts of the world, they're like, <gasps> you know, like <laughs> rock star, you know, yeah. autograph me. Speaking yeah. of, we, earlier we talked on the first take about when I met Chewy, and apparently I was mistaken because I was actually thinking of another time. But uh, yeah. no, it wasn't. You were right. Uh, we had met at Omar's Barbershop there in uh, Silver Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did have some pictures mm-hmm. of, you know, I was, when Omar was here, one of the things I did tell him, I said, you know, one of the regrets I had was, you know, even Carlos was my barber and I had known him for years. It was, I had never, and I, I guess because I'm not that type or or whatever, or never mm-hmm. had the opportunity, but I never had a picture with him. Me Ever. neither till you took that photo. <laughs> and that is what, and so whatever I show will appear on the podcast, okay. on the vodcast. And so here's one of the pictures and Carlos had just opened the shop. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, cause right next, there's no station set up next to him. <laughs> <laughs> he's at, he's cutting where Bora's cutting now. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the first chair on the right side. That's my current barber. Shout out to Bora. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Angel. <laughs> But um, so here you are with Carlos getting a haircut. One of the many, because I've at that time years ago, I really didn't. I still don't know what I'm doing. But back then, I really didn't know what I was doing. So we'd take like, you know, hundreds of pictures. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's another one, you know, and it was 
it was great seeing him. And obviously you could see Carlos isn't prepared because his hair's not good either. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think he had canceled the week before because uh, the lights weren't put in overhead or something. Yeah. We had scheduled the week before and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got to cancel. The lights aren't ready. And, um, you know, him and I hit it off so well. It was like, and he became my barber because I was, you know, for me, I was just like, I just want to come in and, you know, and shoot the breeze. And him yeah. and I, I always enjoyed it because we would talk just about life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, I know this person. Yeah, I know yeah. this person. Oh, I've done yeah. this. It wasn't about accomplishment. It was a pissing contest. No, no. It was like, I, I, I felt like, man. Man, I hope the FBI never takes him because he knows so much about me. <laughs> They're going to be like, you know so much about this guy. He sits there and talks us all kinds of shit, you know? And I think that was the good thing that I enjoyed the most was that, you know, to have that person, you know, for me yeah. and found that in my barber. Yeah. And um, as we said earlier, he tragically passed uh, a little over two years ago. But yeah, I was glad that, you know, yeah. I got to able to photograph uh, which I think I sent you. I think yeah, you sent me a few photos, and I, I never got a photo with him together. As much time we spent together, you know, picking them up for shows, and like you said, talking about life. It was never a dull moment with him, just having conversations and about everything mm-hmm. and anything, and getting advice from him, and you know, seeing how much you've come along. Because I met him first when he was at Hollywood in Long Beach, mm-hmm. and then I remember him yeah. um, opened up his shop, just like this photo nothing in there it was just him and then when he moved to Whittier him when they're going to his shop in, in um, Belmont Shore talking about him opening up a new shop in Whittier and you know what he wanted to do and then actually going there so that transition through that time you know seeing how far he, he's come along and how much he accomplished in a short amount of time was you know amazing but like I said I never got a photo till you captured till you came in that day which is random <laughs> and mm-hmm. I and then talking to you and then meeting you at Vinny's as well, which is crazy too. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be a picture. I'll have to, now that you brought that up, because I totally, <laughs> since my memory is so razor sharp, <laughs> but uh, I also had this other picture of you here, DJing uh, with Santos. That's actually at Omar's uh, wedding um, where um, Santos came on and it was me and him and somebody else. The DJ, but we just kind of started going back and forth, DJing, and Santos is always a fun person to be around and just, you know, shooting the shit and messing around, which is funny. He came in in this weird-ass tuxedo thing mm-hmm. looking funny, uh, but he's fu- he's a funny character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing, because he's also a singer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A very uh, soulful... Honestly... We we would call him the Salvadorian James Brown. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, uh, he his we his performances have he doesn't perform anymore. But if he ever comes back, I you know take the advantage of seeing him live because he's one of the best performers you'll see, and such a humble guy too. So well, even Alex, right? Alex Vargas, he mm-hmm. doesn't perform much, right? Um, here and there, yeah. yeah. And, uh, so a solo does, thing. Yeah, he's not like on the circuit. Yeah. Like a lot no, of them no. are just. He'll play tonight uh, with Giselle, but he he won't play solo. I think the last solo show he did was oh. at Viva Las Vegas. Oh yeah, as, as Alex, Alex and then he, the night before he did a, did a tribute for Carlos as well, which is really cool. Which Santos came out mm-hmm. and just killed the show. That he was, was one of the best performances. It was yeah. really really cool. I don't know, you were there, right? Yeah, that was. You just at the stages like. 
in awe just his performance <laughs> he came out with the party poppers <laughs> yeah. and just threw it in the crowd and just, the crowd just lost it after he started doing the poppers and <laughs> it was such a great show mm. it was great very emotional and everything but it's just one of the best performances that year i think that's the thing about the culture uh in the scene that's out there is that these people are accessible they're not mm-hmm. you know as distant as you would mm-hmm. think because no, once you get to know them or yeah. even just see them around, you know, yeah. as far as I know, unless you guys want to name names of who's <laughs> dicks out there, but no, uh, no. the person, uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> let me get my list out. No, even when like, you know, throughout the years when we started doing shows like at the observatory or places like that, where you have a backstage, you know, a lot of these venues that are here in LA, you know, they don't, for the most part, they don't have a backstage area. You kind of you band show up, they set up for the for the night, and they kind of hang out in the crowd. But even when we started doing shows for you know um, at the observatory, nobody will really hang out backstage. We will go back there to grab a beer, and then we will all be out in the crowd, mm-hmm. kind of talking to people, which is really cool. There was no like barrier between the fans and the band or anything. People, you know, it was it's a it's a big you know family in some sort of way because. Mm-hmm. We go to shows all the time, and people just know each other, yeah. and you greet every you, you know the hugs. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Things like that. So it's really cool. It's a, there's no barrier between the muse, the the bands, or whatever it is, and, and the fans. Or yeah, not many other bands now have uh, rock star mentalities. They're just down for the most part. Yeah, yeah, they're not out there trying to like sabotage the sound of the opening bands. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do know of a few. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> who are they? Let <laughs> me get my pen and paper. Real quick. <laughs> There's only, you know, a couple thousand people here. So <laughs> I'm sure they don't know who these guys are, being that they're headliners and all. <laughs> but I think that's the amazing part of this. This this whole thing is that, you know, a lot of them are Latinos mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. out there, that they've found something that they can adopt and incorporate, and it's their own. Because whether it's, uh, you know, some of these guys, even Omar I, I, does a song in Spanish or two, uh, but it's it's theirs it's you can't you can hear maybe elements right that you're like like earlier when we were talking about music you hear pieces and bits but you're like it's not that exactly yeah it's not that person trying to replicate no exact because they just they're not a cover band i do that a lot when i go watch bands like okay this band reminds me of you know this band or this artist and but mixed in with mm-hmm. a different band or artist that's a completely different genre mm-hmm. so i catch myself doing that a lot yeah, it's like but it's it, like menudo, right? Throw that in. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's it's cool because I do that a lot just to see you know what the influence that the artists or the bands have, mm-hmm. and it just and then some of the times they do a cover that's a really good cover that I've never heard of, and when they start talking about the artist or band or whatever it is, I you know write it down and when I have time go check them out and see if I can find anything based off that mm-hmm. band. Yeah, and especially when you're in the band, you have four people that have come with different influences too so that kind of comes through on on the song or things like that or their style of playing so it's kind of cool to see you know different styles of music and their influence coming through on the song or a record or or their sound overall as a band and you kind of you know they talk about their influences it's never i i feel that it's never about kind of replicating or you know doing what was done in the past kind of taking your influences and kind of you know doing your own style of it you know so well, it's so big. Latinos in at least in this underground scene or cultural scene. I don't know what to call it, but yeah. uh, you know, like there's even the cult. What, what is that? <laughs> Tropicali or whatever it's called. 
Oh, that, yeah. that, that huge oh, yeah. event, right? Where they, oh, they have like yeah. Ramon Ayala and Chicano yeah. Batman. And you're yeah. like, what? What the and, hell? And then you have some like indie bands too. Like yeah. some like, you know, I don't know. Like, like, there was like Commons, the, I think, were playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was some, like a ton of bands. It's like a 50 band roster or something ridiculous. I, I feel like a lot of it just, you can, you can get away with it here in Southern California. Yeah, because yeah. everybody is just, like when they were doing the Beach Cloth, you had MC Hammer. Mm-hmm. You had the Addicts. You had, you know, Nick Waterhouse. You have the Black yeah. Lips. You know, um, the Growlers, it's just random as bands, but somehow it fits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to watch every band that's pretty much on the bill. They have like a sense of all of originality mm-hmm. and authenticity. Yeah. It's not like just this one groove. Like yeah. I remember when I seen Nick Waterhouse years ago at the, the Getty Museum. Mm-hmm. They used to do concerts in the summer. Yeah. And the guy, I don't think there was an opening band. I'm pretty sure it was just the DJ spinning. And I'm like, it was just an amazing experience. You know, he was hadn't been around that long, at least popular in yeah. the scene. Yeah. But to do something, and I think, because there is a sense of culture too. Like, you're not, it's not like just a bunch of drunk people, like <laughs> at a dive bar. A lot of people yeah. are, there's a culture to it. Yeah, there yeah. is. It's, it's just like that in every scene. Mm-hmm. It's just like, um, there's a small record label in Fullerton called Burger Records. Mm-hmm. They have their own show. They had a... And it was like the Burger Gogo or something at the observatory. Burgerama uh, or something. Uh, like yeah, Burgerama. And a friend of mine dragged me out because she wanted to see Nick Waterhouse. I was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to buy, buy a ticket. She's like, no, I got your ticket. I was like, fine, I'll go. I get there. Vicky and the Vengeance were playing. You know, I love the band. And um, then we went to the main stage. And then King Kong and the Shrines were playing, which is, uh, I don't know if you guys ever yeah. seen or mm-hmm. heard of King Kong and the Shrines, but amazing, mm-hmm. crazy rhythm and blues, soul band, full high energy and then out of nowhere, Ronnie Spector of the Ronettes mm-hmm. was performing. <laughs> and for me, I love the Ronettes. That was, a, you know, not knowing she was going to perform. And, you know, she's playing all the Ronettes classics. And she was doing, uh, I think, Be My Baby. And she was walking backwards. She ate shit on stage. But she kept on singing. She didn't have a little fit or anything and walked off stage and canceled the show. Oh, yeah. But, you know, there was a lot of good bands that night without me even knowing where I was going or... Because I was just thinking it was just going to be Nick Waterhouse and some opening bands. Mm-hmm. But it was a great yeah. show. Yeah, Burger Records is also doing some killer things. Yeah. I mean, they, they they have their own thing, you know, and I know just like any label, there's people on both sides of whatever. <laughs> yeah. But e- either way, they're exposing mm-hmm. for those that choose to, right, whether they do the yeah. Burger Palooza. Yeah. That people go, yeah, I want to participate and go, you know, whatever, politics aside, <laughs> whatever yeah. people feel mm-hmm. about it. But... You know, those are two guys like maybe 22, 23 years old, something ridiculous. They're like 28, 29 now, are they? around that age. Because when I was in high school, my friends had a band. And before Burger Records was even thought of, they had a band. There, It was called The Makeout Party. And they used to play together all the time. And then um, after a while, both bands broke up and everything. And then recently, I saw these guys started up the record label. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it's just started going uphill for those guys. Yeah, I think they even had... Uh one of the guys from Weezer released something. Oh yeah, they've been getting so. They, yeah, they get a lot of big guys. On cassette, yeah, they re-released like Los Cycles um, album on cassette. They've did like Weezer. They've done like Jack White. They've done huge artists, and they do it with permission. They don't, you yeah, know, bootleg yeah. anything. So, That's and it's cool. it's just it's cool seeing you know these guys that I used to see all the time when I was in high school, you know, doing big things. Doing that show in um, Oakland, mm-hmm. you know, having the Mummies, Iggy yeah, Pop, you know, it just bands like that and it's crazy it's it's crazy 
So for you guys, what what do you guys got coming up? What do you guys continue want to continue to do, and, and what's the future like? Well, coming up, just you know, for us, maybe we're busy all year long. But this month, we cut we got the New Year's Eve show going on with Brando the airliner. No, next yeah. week we got the Rhythm Shakers at the Clifton's, and the his Teenage Boogie too going coming up. But also with Wild Records, we're doing um, shows throughout the year. But the big one I know Reb's really focusing on is a. Uh, doing the 24-hour show going on at Viva Las Vegas where I believe it starts at noon on Saturday and it's at noon mm-hmm. on Sunday. Sunday or something like that. He has a ton of bands happening, going on, DJs in between from all over the world, from the label. So that's kind of what's going on for us. But, you know, just collecting records for me and, you know, be, you know doing shows and things like that. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and then for me, I'm just uh, focusing on uh, booking my nights which is like my record hops for the teenage boogie I'm always looking for djs uh, main reason i started teenage boogie is to give people a chance to play records or dj because uh, somebody gave me a chance to just play my records so mm-hmm. um teenage boogie i started to just friends that want to play records that are not djs i book them you mm-hmm. know or just anybody in general who wants to play records um, um always hit me up say they want to play records so i get them get them for uh, you know i give them always the best spot when most of the people are there so they can dance and get that feeling and um and i do that's my main one and then my other one is the teenage kicks which is i um i try to get um all the my friends that i do with the uh, online radio show together for like a radio core night and just have all the djs come out and just play records and whatever we feel like really playing Mm. so where can they find you guys at social media wise i don't have social media I'm on MySpace nowadays. Just kidding. <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> Tinder. Um, send, a, I, I, send a pigeon. The, I mean, I just have my, my own personal um, Instagram, Chewy underscore Villegas. I'm, I'm not really, I don't post anything music related. It's just selfies my, in the, in the my, buff. My, my, yeah. yeah. My, um, you know, tank tops. <laughs> Birthday <all>. suit. <laughs> and then nothing. With his record I'm, box fa- in front of him covering him. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook too. I mean, that's, I don't know. I, that's how I find out, find out about shows. I get tagged on photos, and I get asked. I just post flyers on there, uh, future events. I, I'm not big on social media. What about you, Oni? Yeah, so I, I'm, I have both Facebook and Instagram, um, mm-hmm. mainly to promote my shows and everything. So on um, Instagram, I'm under DJ Odie. And on uh, Facebook, it's my name, Odie Embrys. So on there, I post uh, all my shows anywhere I'm DJing and other when friends are having shows. So because some of the like Brando's coming back in other venues. So he has those DJing. So, you know, we try to help him out to find a new spot and get people to start coming out again. Absolutely. Cool deal, man. Uh, Is there anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap it up here? No, just uh, thank you for having us on this beautiful 13th floor building. <laughs> Anytime. You know, it's been Nice awesome. view of Catalina. <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> and I'm uh, glad to see you back and uh, doing podcasts. I know they're they're entertaining and giving people a platform to kind of, you know, come and shoot the shit and have a good time. Well, thank you guys for coming by, man. I appreciate it. And, you know, putting some music out there for people to listen to that maybe they should just think about, you know, expanding their horizons. And not only that, but that maybe some of the artists they listen to now or have been listening to, mm-hmm. you know, have roots and other things. Absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, this this music that's uh, been there, uh, you know, that is taking on a new life. No, right. That's what it does. Right. It finds a new life in a in a different way. 
through artists and whether it was the Cramps or Dead Kennedys, that music all came, came from, from somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, that'll wrap up this. I uh, thank you guys for coming uh, out. So, um, Remember, guys, you can check it out on gentlemansavenue.com forward slash the lodgecast or on iTunes, Google Play. And until next time, be well, my friends.